This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 355, brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex Satellite, New York Comic Con, and iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 355. I am Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Just And Just Ron you. Richards. Only you, Josh. I've had enough of Ron. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen, listen, it was a rough weekend in Vegas. <laughs> listen, no, everyone understands. It's fair. <laughs> iFanboy.com is our website that we made because we like comics. So that's actually what the website's mostly about uh, because we read them and then every week we read a bunch of them, uh, the, the, ones that, the ones that we want to read. And uh, we have the job of picking the one that we think is the best comic that we can call that, the pick of the week. Uh, a review goes up on the website on Wednesdays. Then we, we, we write about it there. And then we come here and we talk about that pick and the other books from the week and, and some other stuff that, uh, that we feel like talking about. But before we get to the show, we are going to be talking about what happened in the paltry few books we read this week. So there will be spoilers for all three or four of them. 
Um, this is a review show, as you know. So uh, you're warned. If you, if you don't want your books to be spoiled, come back later or read your, and read your books and, and do all that. Connor, I do not begrudge your position this week. <laughs> I didn't even – I'm not even reading the script. Then, Connor, you got me with the script bomb. <laughs> Uh, that, that's an old one. I just left it because it's a good one. Um, <laughs> this week was weird, as Josh said. It was a kind of a light week. There wasn't a lot out. Oh, there was some. There was some high-profile releases out. It wasn't like a lot of books. Everything's coming out next week. Next week's gonna suck for Ron. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially New York Comic Con week. Yay! So it, it it didn't take me long to read my books. I only had about twelve. But unlike normal, I didn't have a clear pick of the week when I finished. Not that there wasn't a choice. I actually had three choices. And it was a matter of picking between the three. So I actually, instead of my normal routine is to finish the books and I have a clear pick and I just jump right in while it's fresh in my mind to write the review. But I actually went off. I went to the gym. I let it ruminate for a while. Had a soak. You had, to, you, had to, you, had to, you had to really think about it. Was it was a sauna. It was a sauna. I did a little sauning. Had a schwitz. Had a schwitz in the sauna. I talked about it with the old uh, retired Hollywood men in the, in the, in the sauna. Well, you, do, you do two to, two to four hours at the barbershop every Done it done on Fairfax every day, right? I can't be shaving this head myself. Well, right. <laughs> I need a professional. Talking to, to Morty Zuckerman. Exactly. Uh, he's down there. Morty. That, that's where Larry King hangs out now because yeah, he's got no else his, to go. his crew. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with Legends of the Dark Knight number one as the pick of the week. And this is the paper version of the digital book that comes out weekly in small chapter form. And this is the one I've been looking forward to the most. The other bar, the Smallville book, which I've been enjoying. And we're going to talk about the new one later on. And there's the Amikami one. Is that pronounced correctly? Probably not. Amikomics uh, or whatever it is. That's yeah. the uh, sort of based on the toy line. It's, it's all those female superheroes, which actually has like a Amanda Connor drew one of them, which is interesting. But yeah. this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. It's the Batman anthology with some high-profile creators. And I wrote in my review that it's sort of a mashup of the Batman Legends of the Dark Knight series that ran for like 20 years. And the Batman Black and White miniseries, in which you took, you basically have out of continuity stories about Batman with high profile creators on them. And in this case, we have a Damon Lindelof written, Jeff Lemire drawn Batman story. We have a J.G. Jones drawn Batman story. And we have a Nicola Scott drawn Batman story. So you've got, on the art side, at least three really high profile uh, art teams. And then you've got, you know, famous Hollywood guy doing one story. And then you've got two ba- basic newcomers on these other stories. And they were, those, those were actually really fun. But. You know, for me, the big excitement was seeing Jeff Lemire do Batman. So, so now, did you, did you not read them on the digital releases? No, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Have you been? Uh, not this one. You know, I've been reading. I've been reading Smallville that way and that sort of thing, but I haven't read this one. This is great because you know everyone knows Jeff Lemire now. For the most part, he he probably has his most fans from doing writing work for DC for writing Animal Man, writing Justice League Dark and Frankenstein previously. You know, if you don't know, he's also a celebrated independent creator. He does his own drawing for his books and. His is a style that's very independent, very offbeat, very not the normal DC superhero style. And I've always wanted to see him draw some DC superheroes because his style is so interesting. And uh, I remember a couple years ago, someone at DC telling us that was never going to happen because style was so yeah. weird. But here it is. And, you know, you, you couldn't pick a more perfect character for him to draw than Batman. His sort of angular, rough, dark, you know, everyone is kind of ugly style. Really works. There's a one one shot where he draws the the rogues gallery, and you know, the Joker, Two Face, Catwoman, Mister Freeze, Poison Ivy, and Killer Croc, and it just they just look so monstrous, and it's perfect. You know, he's he's great, and he does. It's a nice little ten page story. It's from early on in Batman's career where he claims to have no vulnerabilities, which is why he's the superior superhero because nothing nothing can hurt him. He doesn't have kryptonite problems. He doesn't have fire problems. He doesn't have a yellow weakness. He's just a man with no no weaknesses. Told in a very funny sequence where he's either drunk or pretending to be drunk, and either way, it's very funny because he's sort of railing at Alfred about how he's the best superhero. Um, Alfred's <laughs> like, "We had a lot to drink," and he, he just—it's—it's it's very good two-page sequence. It told in uh, a twelve-panel grid on each page, very funny. And then at the end, Batman finds that his weakness is a baseball bat, and uh, <laughs> and a crowbar and a bunch of fists. I, I thought it was ladies. Well, he gets beaten down, and spoiler alert—you find out that Alfred hired these thugs to beat him up. That's awesome. Because he wanted to show him that he he's in fact vulnerable to uh, you know to something pain. So it's actually a really nice little sweet story. And then the middle story, Batman's on this JLA satellite and Amazo attacks. Instead of calling for help, he just decides to beat him on his own and he uses his wits to outwit him. And it's a nice little JG Jones classic Justice League Batman and Justice League satellite story. And then the final story features art from Nicola Scott and it's Batman and Robin 
convincing a newly laid off worker that he shouldn't rob his old job and it's better to not return to a life of crime. So they kind of do preventative care there. But the interesting thing about all three stories is that they take place in the old DCU, which... uh, Interesting, really. Yeah, uh, Batman's got his trunks on over his suit and all of them. It's the old Tim Drake is Robin in the story wearing his original Robin costume. Not the original Dick Grayson one, the first one that Tim Drake wore. And well, I, technically the second one, the first one he wore was in Lonely Place of Dying, the original suit. And then in the, in the satellite, he goes into the trophy room and he see pictures of the Justice League all in their old, their old, you know, costumes and their old guises in the original Martian Manhunter. So it's funny how they made such great pains to separate themselves from the old universe. Yet here, we have this digital book, which supposedly is probably pushed on more of a general audience because that's what they're aiming for with the digital books uh, taking place in the old universe. They're legends, mm-hmm. though, which I find fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I, it's not inappropate. It's just funny. I didn't. It took me about yeah. half, two stories to realize what, what I was seeing. Yeah, um, just interesting is all. It's just interesting. I think you'll. I think you'll slowly see them start to bleed the old stuff back in, and then eventually it will just be unrecognizable difference. Yeah, possibly just become the whole thing's part of it. But this is a great somebody will want to use something from the past, you know, in a number of years. I think I think right now you've. I mean, I don't think there's been a problem using stuff from the past. I think that's been the, yeah. that has been the problem. It's been using stuff from the past. Yes, so it's far. just the stupid uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're like if you're if you want to read non-continuity short stories done by top-notch artists and, and also you know really solid writing writing teams, then uh, that Legend of the Dark Knight is something you can check out. You can check it out now online. They're, I think they're up to chapter nine. The first two chapters are in this book, and this is this is this is the title that the Gabe Hardman and J- Jeff Parker story is appearing yeah, in. Right? The next issue yep. features a Ben Templesmith drawn story, which is his first yeah. DC or Marvel work. Then later on, you've got a Jeff Parker written Gabe Hardman drawn Batman story. So I think if you, if you want that kind of short story, fun ten page, non continuity, you know, top creative team book, this is the one to check out. You know, it's it's funny because like a part of me wants to read it digitally. You know, like I want I want to go and read the short kind of burst and 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 read the Gabe Hardman Jeff Parker. But I just I haven't. I just don't remember. You know what I mean? Like that's the one thing about about the Wednesday releases in the comic book stores that I know I've got to go to the comic store on Wednesday to get my comics. Right. It's like, a it's a that's a really good point, and yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I'm like, oh, those went up. Like I don't I don't know that they're gonna go up. How do I how do I know? Yeah. I get a lot of press releases there in my email. There needs to be an alert. I think, uh, but for me, I want to just read the whole story because I think the the digital releases are, are you know chapters. So I don't know if it's the whole tale. Oh yeah, no, yeah, they're chapters. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they, what they what they do is they release you know eight eight pages or so weekly, and then they collect them all into that issue at the end of the month. So yeah, but yeah. is each chapter ninety nine cents? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like a much better deal to it's wait cheap. for the. No, I think it's I think it's cheaper to go online. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. How much was know. this issue? Three ninety nine. Because if each chapter is ninety nine cents, and you got three of the stories, or no, you just got one of the chapters of each. I don't know. I don't know, John. <laughs> this is very confusing. I can't do the math. I, I don't know. I just got. I just that was totally like post Las Vegas. Like stop talking now. Yeah. Because I am not following you, and I don't care to. <laughs> now, the other book that was almost picked of the week was Detective Comics thirteen, which was the first issue with the new creative team written by John Layman of Chew. And drawn by Jason Fabuk. And uh, <laughs> did anybody else read this? I did. I actually forgot about it, and then I, I noticed it last. So I made sure I get it in before we did the show. Uh, um, and also the backup story drawn by Andy Clark. Josh, yeah. what did you think yeah. of it? It was okay. I thought I thought it was all right. Uh, it obviously was better than the Tony Daniel written one. I don't think the art was particularly great. There was a couple of pages were just a lot of shots of penguins face from exactly the same angle a bunch of times in a row and i just thought that's weird but i don't know it didn't it didn't really excite me one way or the other i think the only uh, downside to it is that fabuk is is serviceable yeah though i think he's getting better from the last time i saw him i think that layman has a great handle on these characters in this world i thought there was a lot mm-hmm. of interesting little touches that, like the fact that apparently bruce wayne do- donates a lot of money to hospitals because he's constantly beating people up and sending them to the hospital um <laughs> And uh, I liked the, the backup story. Was great, told from the from the point of view of the of the criminal. And uh, I always looked. I was always waiting for a swerve for Batman to show up or something like that, and then it just never happened. And it was, it was fun. I really liked this as a huge leap of quality over the what it's been. It's been a while since both Batman and Detective were good books. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you know, like I, I liked it. I think it was a it was a little bit of a change from I guess what I'm used to uh, in the Batman books, which which isn't really a bad thing. But I think the thing was that. I really enjoyed. Um, obviously, I really like Chew a lot, and I've actually really been enjoying Mars Attacks also. Mm-hmm. 
so I kind of like wanted to. I guess I wanted to like this more than I did. It was okay. It was fine. It was you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But I wasn't like, wow, that was totally fun. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. No, that makes. Sense. I don't like the. I don't think I like the penguin all that much. I like it uh, for a while. They used the penguin as sort of a an element, and he was never sort of the main bad guy. He was just a, a part that was there, and I actually like him as that more. Like because I. I like, like for a little while, he was a bad guy, but he wasn't really like the big threat, so they didn't really worry about him who's doing his thing. And here he is, the the super bad guy again. Well, kind um, of. I mean, he's, he's still a crime boss. A bad, he's not a yeah. super villain. The only difference is they've added him in the last couple of years to be a original family member, like a Mayflower mm-hmm. family of yeah. Gotham. So the only difference really is that he's now more of a connection to the Waynes, the Cobblepots, the Canes, and whoever else was. In that group with the original founding families of Gotham, so that's really the only difference. He's still kind of he's still basically thought, a crime boss. I thought plotting wise, it was actually really nice. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it was kind of an interesting thing to do. Um, and then at the end, uh, it was a good sort of extension. I wouldn't really call it a twist, but it was uh, like, oh, these these guys are going to be ninjas. But it just felt I just felt a little standard, I guess, and the art art didn't really help. It does show that Layman has a lot of range. Absolutely, and I mean when we when I've I've talked to him, like he he. Chew wasn't supposed to be a comedy. Right. It wasn't supposed to be a funny book. It was supposed to be like a dark, you know, morbid book. And like that's the kind of stuff that he actually gravitates to apparently. So this is actually seems like it should be right where he fits. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's a good choice, a good interesting choice to to write this book. I think he'll I think he'll definitely grow into it more. Ron? Yes. Um Avengers X-Men number 12 and yeah. wrapped everything up. So Avengers vs. X-Men number 12 came to an end. Um, I actually, before I read this, actually, this is, uh, this past week, I was on the show last week, and this past weekend, Connor and I were in Vegas for Morrison Con, which was a blast and went really well. And um, But uh, I was actually there. Uh, some of, Two of the guests were Jonathan Hickman and Jason Aaron, and Sunday night at the con, I we, we were having dinner, and I, I, I kind of vented a little on them. <laughs> and I kind of... I dumped ran- a plate of food on Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> And I ranted, I ranted about the stuff that we talked about with the last issue, which is basically where I said that Cyclops was getting the screw job and that they didn't really sell him as the villain, and and, and it got pretty heated. I'll be honest with you. Just um, on your just, side, I, or did they counter your argument? No, on their side, on their side. Well, Jason's point was that you, uh, Jason Aaron's point was that you haven't read the last issue, so you don't see, know how it ends. Right. And so he was very curious to hear hear what I would think of it. And and then Jonathan, Jonathan Hickman's point was that. He agreed with me in that what I was saying is that what Cyclops was doing, you know, like he hadn't, you know, he didn't really do anything wrong and was kind of helping the world. And Jonathan's like, right, that's the that's the that's the angle, that's the challenge is that Cyclops doesn't think that he was in the wrong, you know, that Cyclops was doing these things to help humanity and and all that sort of thing is that that's what makes it an interesting story. So so it was an interesting conversation. But so but I said, all right, well I'll reserve judgment till I read issue number twelve, and um, and. Uh, uh, I can't say, I can't say I love it. I can't say I, it's not. It wasn't bad. It was a good issue. It, it was. It was a good. <laughs> I want to see that on the cover. <laughs> with the with the ellipses and, yeah. and the dashes. And no, but the, the, the thing like is, a question mark. And bad. The, and the thing is, this is how I prefaced it with when to to Aaron and to Hickman. I was like, listen, you understand? This is not me as a media professional critic review. This is me as a unabashed total X Men Cyclops fanboy. Like that's to- that's totally where this reaction comes that from. This is not a this is not a rational reaction you're having. This is you as a Cyclops <laughs> fan. Yeah, yeah. This is this is an emotional kind of like I'm watching my hero get the, the guy who I uh, I associate with who I enjoy the most get basically teared down. That said, um, I thought that they. I thought that they did wrap up the Scarlet Witch's uh, role, Hope's role, all the Kunlun crap. They so did. What was in the closet? Uh, nothing. They still haven't found out what's in the closet. But then they didn't wrap up her anything. That's gonna be on. Um, that's gonna be on. Uh, what you want on? Uh, ben, on shoulders in his Avengers wrap up. I don't. I didn't expect to see the closet here in this issue. That's gonna happen in the Avengers. But. You know, they they kind of tied in, showed us you know how those three kind of factors all play together, and then in the the kind of final battle between Scott as Dark Phoenix, you know, I thought there was there was the right amount of history, there was the right amount of you know like Cyclops, you know when it, when it switches over to Cyclops's narration, like kind of an internal monologue, and it's like relating to the conflict with him and Wolverine, relating to his relationship with with um, Xavier, relating to Jean, um, and then when Jean shows up and tells him to let it go, like I thought it hit all those notes that I would want it to hit. You know, and, and for those not reading, basically they, you know, the Scarlet Witch and Hope 
Um, Hope is able to use her her power mimicking powers to mimic Scarlet Witch's hex powers to overwhelm the Phoenix and knock the Phoenix out of Scott. But then Hope receives the Phoenix Force and becomes the white version of the white costume version of the Phoenix that we saw Jean and Grant Morrison's run wear. White and then, power Phoenix. Oh, and wait. she Ugh. and she goes and and basically she goes and she basically fixes everything. You know, she kind of repairs all the destruction that that Scott and the other Phoenix forces did around the world, and kind of fixes everything. And then, um, in one last moment, she she and Scarlet Witch release the Phoenix and say, "No more Phoenix," and the Phoenix just flies away. And then the the long term ramification is that uh, the Phoenix basically restarted the mutants on 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 Earth, and so all of a sudden they start seeing Cerebro starts seeing all pings of new mutants. And well, it didn't so much fly away as it just sort of broke up into little pieces, which then populated the, the yeah right. I mean, yeah. that's like to me. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, yeah. I don't know if it def- if it defeated the Phoenix Force. Well, I mean, it, I, that panel with the Earth it shows it like yeah. all over the world. Yeah, look, I thought I thought those pieces of the Phoenix then when it went around populated the, 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 the. Oh, could be. Yeah. It could be. You know, and then and then of course we get the epilogue, which is what I was afraid of, which is. Cyclops in a ruby quartz cell with a big headpiece over his eyes and in shackles and in prison garb and he's chatting with Captain America and they're and they're talking about what happened and Cyclops is saying how he takes full responsibility. We get a sense that Magneto and Emma and all the other ones are kind of on the run now. Um, you know, there's your new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and you get a hint of you know Cap. Cap does take responsibility for what I complained about, which is that he says, you know, you know, I take responsibility for not supporting mutants as much as I as I should have, and and I'm going to do something about that. So everyone kind of learns and moves on. But now Cyclops is in prison, and and that kind of sucks. But he feels justified in that all this led to there being more new mutant, there being more mutants, and so he wouldn't, you know, you know, he doesn't regret anything. Which is uh, difficult, and it does it does leave it in an interesting position. I mean, so basically, basically they move Cyclops in. Cyclops is the new Magneto, basically, yeah. which sucks. Although I do like Magneto, but um, that makes sense. Yeah, it t- we, we really talked about it last does. time. It totally makes sense for him to go down that road. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so they, they did it well. I mean, it, it was it was a good issue. I mean, but it ended pretty much. I mean. You know, I wouldn't say everything is exactly the same. Like there's a, there's a, there is going to be a lasting effect. We're going to get Uncanny Avengers out of it. We're, we're, you know, the merging of the X Men and the Avengers, and we're going to get um, you know more no, more new mutants. So that's, that'll be interesting to see. But it just sucks that I've got now I've got to wait years for somebody to redeem Cyclops, which is going to stink. But um, well, you're going to get young Cyclops. You're gonna yeah, get young unfettered Cyclops in the new in the new. Elf. Yeah, so I can With just a horrible t- horrible costume. What do you mean? Doesn't he have? Doesn't Cyclops have that awful costume? Which, which oh, I don't know. The young Cyclops is in the blue and the yellow, from what I can tell. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might that, that might be the current Cyclops. So. Oh, okay. Um, Ron, where did Nova dude, come from? They still haven't explained it. Okay. Because I no idea. That was a great badass moment. Yeah. First, I went awesome. Wait a minute. Yeah. No, no. They 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 introduced Nova in the Infinity in the Infinite Comic thing, but they didn't explain who he was. He just came from space, going Phoenix is coming, and then he was off the map, and then he just returned in this issue and knocked Cyclops down, and then then you have Thor inviting him to join the Avengers. It's like what? <laughs> is he? But, is, it, um, is it Richard Ryder? No, it's not Richard Ryder. From what I can, but he has to ask his mom. Yeah, yeah. So we we don't know who it is. The the interesting thing was in Uncanny X Men number nineteen, uh, Kieran Gillen and Dale Eaglesham kind of tackled the the downfall of Cyclops's Dark Phoenix from Cyclops's point of view. And I gotta give I gotta say it reads very much like the Doctor Manhattan scenes in in Watchmen. You know, where it's like, because it has got Scott like kind of traveling through time. And it's like, I, you know, I, I, you know, like I just, there's one point where, you know, he says, you know, he's, he's with Professor Xavier when he's a kid. And the narration is a bald man in a wheelchair is telling me he can help. He means everything. I say hello to a redheaded girl. And it's like, uh-huh. I'm fighting a man with claws. It's just like, it just was very Watchmen. <laughs> like, you know, you know that scene I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Is issue three, oh, exactly. three, four, five? Yeah. Issue five? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and, and also in, in the movie when with, yeah. with that with the Philip Glass music, yeah. So, <laughs> but again, and then here we have, and this is the continuity freak in me. But you know, then it, it, the issue ends with you know Beast and Cyclops arguing, and this is before they're bringing Cyclops to whatever prison, and he's just in handcuffs, and he has like a ruby quartz visor in front of him, a totally different outfit than what he's wearing in AVX twelve. So we're going to see inconsistencies in how oh, they handle. That's all right, they don't even know how to draw Beast anymore. <laughs> Beast looks um, completely different every time they draw him. Yeah, I know, I know. It do, it does end, and and basically it ends with Cyclops and and uh, finding out that there are new mutants and saying that you know I don't you know I did awful things. I you know I, I I'm not asking for forgiveness. Um, you know I'm going to spend my life repaying for my crimes, but I do it all again because it means there are new mutants. And it ends with him making the X X with his arms, and it's kind of, that was kind of inspiring in that regard. I don't know. 
Um, but then finally, um, of all unlikely places, uh, Avengers vs. X-Men versus number six, the last issue, featured not only uh, Kieran Gillen and Jim Chung doing a more detailed fight between Hope and Scarlet Witch from the scene that happened in AVX-12, um, and it just looked beautiful. It was just like some some awesome Jim Chung like oh, just Jim Chung, uh, put him on something monthly. If uh, I don't know monthly, but can't do monthly, but uh, put him on something ongoing because it just looks amazing. But then the backup was a bunch of one to two page humor fights, where they humor had fights? like yeah, they had like Bendis and Jim Mafu doing a page of Cyclops and Captain America verbally arguing, and then there was a one page of um, by the Eminens of all the science guys arguing with each other, and then there was <laughs> then there was one of Domino versus Red Hulk and Toad versus Jarvis. And uh, Spider Woman versus all the X Women, and it's Hawkeye just watching her fight uh, other girls. It's like <laughs> it was like one of those you know kind of humory send up ones. That was really that was really kind of a nice a lighthearted end to the whole event for me. That was a good, nice little bookend. That's so nice. yeah, yeah. So AVX is done. Uh, Uncanny Avengers comes out next week. Marvel now starts, and so this is the the, the movement into it. I get it. a one to five rating on Avengers versus X Men as a whole. Um. Three and a half. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Yeah, it, had, was, it had some real good entertaining parts, but it was about three issues too long. Yeah, I, I give it a three and a half. I say that there were the, the Jason Aaron and the Jonathan Hickman issue stood out as yes. the best for me you know there were some art issues throughout the whole thing we talked about that they tried felt as if they tried to do too much i thought i thought the iron fist kunlun connection was just just too much you know and also i i feel as if they didn't you know like i said justify cyclops early on enough to cause the uh manhunt that that captain america led um but beyond that it was entertaining it was good and i'll find some way to forgive jason aaron for doing what what he's doing to my favorite character it's it's justified (laughs) it's interesting Mm -hmm. Somewhere in my heart, I'll find I'll find a way to forgive. Well, no. So now the now the challenge is on their end to tell good stories with this. Okay, you- it's, it's Cyclops that you can't forgive. Yeah, well, it's true. Your heart's broken. You're acting like a jilted lover. You're blaming the yeah. you're blaming the guy your girlfriend cheated on you with instead of the girlfriend. Oh my God, we're right. This is getting to the heart of it right now. Yeah, yep, there you go. <laughs> Daredevil end of days number one. I did not read this. Well, this is this is. I'm just shocked. I'm holding it in my hand. This was the book that I <laughs> never come out. How long ago was this written? <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, co-written by Bendis and David Mack, pencils by Klaus Janssen, um, with finishes and painted art by Bill Sienkiewicz. This was the basically Daredevil the End story that Bendis and, and, and Mack talked about years ago. I don't know what the delays were, what the problems were, um, but this was actually quite good. I'm, I'm really of two minds on it because I, I liked um, I liked Ben Urick a lot. I was like, I, I feel like I haven't hung out with Ben Urick in a while. And uh, I really liked like it. It felt like I was reading uh, a really great comic that from the '80s that I had always meant to get to. That people have been saying, "No, oh, that comic's great." You know what I'm talking about? It just looked like it looked like an older comic, I guess, because of Jansen well, and Sienkiewicz. Yeah. I know. So like it was, it felt like like sort of a classic comic book. So it was really great to look at. I guess it was good. I I, uh, I I didn't love it, but but I enjoyed it a lot. How's that? Well, I felt I felt like it was firmly steeped in the Bendis run of Daredevil, which yes. to me is still one of the greatest runs, and and was maybe that's it because that was a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. So so it felt like so the art felt like a throwback to like classic '80s Daredevil. Yes, but then the story also felt like a throwback to 2000s Daredevil. So I just I like that mix, and like you said, like we haven't got to hang out with Ben Yurich in this in this you know uh, raincoat, dark, wet New York mm-hmm. night, you know, kind of uh, kind of mode. Standing in the rain, trying to write on his notebook, you know. I, so I enjoyed it. I mean, like his eight issues. I don't know what to expect over eight issues. Seems like it's that's gonna, a long time. <laughs> you know, they set up they set up a good story. I'm intrigued, and it's a it's a different t- it's a different feel than what's going on in Daredevil now. And so I'm I'm happy to you know I'm happy to read it. So so he's yeah. dead. That's the story, right? Yeah, he gets killed right at the beginning. Sort of, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know if you know about this, but sometimes in comics, on the last page. They'll show you something that, that goes against everything you thought you knew. Oh, really? They do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Well, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I loved the Daredevil run that Bennis was on, but... You'd like this. Eh, probably. I'm just going to wait for the trade, I think. Yeah. Right. It's going to be a nice It's gonna be a nice little trade volume that you can get. That's, that's, that's probably not a bad bet, yeah. given the track record we're looking at here. We'll see if it finishes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> in, in the meantime... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Seagate GoFlex satellite is the only wireless portable hard drive that streams content to your iPad and update other devices with a 500 gigabyte 
hard drive, Wi-Fi access, and a rechargeable battery, the satellite can carry your entire library of video, music, pictures, and documents to be shared on your iPad or Android tablet via the free GoFlex media app or web browser. And I can testify to this personally. I use a GoFlex satellite to, to hold all of Ron's MorrisonCon media on it, which I'm now holding for ransom. <laughs> I, have, I have video of all the panels from MorrisonCon on a GoFlex satellite hard drive. And uh, Ron, the bidding starts now. Connor, so uh. <laughs> so you can, it's, it's a it was really quick and easy. It's a, it's a big hard drive. It's nice and portable. It's, it's not too big. Put it right in your pocket. So go to uh, Seagate.com/ifanboy for more, and you can uh, find out about the wonderful Seagate GoFlex satellite. And you can also yeah, go to Seagate.com/ifanboy get ten percent off uh, purchasing one for yourself. So uh, definitely take follow up on that. I'm gonna go there, buy one, Ron, and then we're gonna play we're gonna play some three card Monty game. Which satellite has the media on it? <laughs> it's the red. <laughs> Oh, is it the one I just dropped in the toilet? Where's <laughs> the lady? <laughs> so Smallville season 11, number six. Ronnie's still behind on this. I need to catch up. Okay. Well, this is worth mentioning because it's still the Batman story. The fact that I'm behind works because if you remember correctly, I used to fall behind on the TV show and then spend watching four hours in a row and catch up. So, Appropriate. Yeah. Couple of things. One, this was a particularly really funny issue, you know, with Otis and Lex, and and uh, there's a scene where they're looking at surveillance footage, and Lex tells Otis to enhance the video, and he's like, "You can't do that." <laughs> like all those TV shows that show people enhancing the video, that doesn't actually exist. Um, to say it, enhance. But the worth, what's worth mentioning, because one thing that Ron and I have complained about this series is they've been the art, but in this issue, Jamal Eigel does the art, and it's actually really quite good. So it really enhan- it really ma- elevates the book. Uh, he's like a fan. Yes, exactly. Like, so it, not only is he a good storyteller, but he he's a fan of the property. It works well in that the characters look enough like the actors, but they're not you know slavishly devoted like they've been before to where the art suffers. So it's it actually works really well. Good. Uncanny X Force thirty two, for some reason I thought it was the final issue. So I was reading it within my head, and I was like, this isn't wrapping up, and then it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> because it's increasingly panicked. It kind of was because I love this series so much and. And this is the final story arc for Remender, and I, I, I was about three quarters of the way through, and I was like, "This is an ending." No, I think I, I, there's no number on it, but I think I'm pretty sure New X Force doesn't kick in till December, so you know, so we still got a handful of issues to go. So especially if it's if it's uh, bi monthly shipping, well, there could be twelve more issues between now and December. Yeah, just how glorious is is this? If this is the swan song with him and Noto just killing it, like this is like the magic is back. Like the reading this issue, I was just like I was. Cheering! I was, I was, I was shocked by betrayals. I was laughing. It was just, and I got to give Remender credit for um, utilizing one of my all-time favorite movie references ever. <laughs> oh, I say we let him go. <laughs> um, that is one of my favorite scenes of all time. I think this is the best sequential work I've ever seen from Noto. We we love Noto's pinups. He used to be a mainstay on Josh's weekly sketchup feature. And he started getting work. I'm not saying there's a coincidence there. But he used to, he 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 did do pages, and I used to think they were kind of stiff. But this is the best sequential work I've seen from him by far. This this I remember this he, the first time I saw him, he was doing I want to say Robin covers, maybe Robin interiors even. Mm-hmm. And they were and they were great. Like I was like, that's great back then. He does um, a great but, static image. Uh, yeah. But it's storytelling. He can have. He's. He's still. I think he's still getting there. But it, it's. It's. This is. This is really good looking. So, he's getting there quick. It was the uh, Horizon. What was that book called? Infinite Horizon. That was. I think that was the last interior I saw by him, which was like seven years ago. But he did a. He did a. He did a, a Jonah Hex. Issue oh, that's right. Time. He did a couple of Jonah Hex issues. Yeah. Yeah. So but, anyway, and, and of course, he did that. The, the the creator on Heroes thing recently. Josh, if you ever get around to finishing this this series and trade, you'll you'll enjoy. This I, I'm, I'm totally going to. Yeah. This arc is. This is, I mean, like, this is really, it's it's keeping you on the edge of the seat. There are twists and turns. It's like, and and this is great because you get a bunch of different little interludes. You get, you know, uh, a point of view of Dokken. You get a point of view of D- Deadpool. You get some Wolverine, um, some great uh, Age of Apocalypse, uh, Nightcrawler, and Mystique stuff. And it just, it just, it's, it, it feels, honestly, it feels like old X-Men modernized in, in the best possible way. Yeah. I think I've, I'm through the third book. So whatever the, the I think it was the Dark Angel saga, maybe. Yes, that would be the most relevant one. That's pretty much the uh, one that's most relevant to this to this series. Yeah, I think. that was uh, the best one I thought, not art wise, but uh, story wise. I thought it was the best one. Yeah. Uh, Action Comics number thirteen made me cry. I knew it would. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, it I, was, uh, it. and it was the first. I, the first half of it was was uh, Travel Foreman on art. I don't uh, I, I, I don't know if he was the best match for it. I knew you. Were, I knew you were going to say that you liked it a lot. Because he's weird, and and, and the, the weird style works for the Kryptonian stuff. 
I I, I got a little lost. Uh, it was my problem with it. Like it was I was. I mean, it's the Phantom Zone, so it's sort of weird. And they, ch- I, did they it's not. Is it just me or like did they change the way the Phantom Zone works a little bit? Yes. Yeah. I think that's what I was. I was applying my old rules to it, and it didn't work out in my head. Instead of going in fresh, I think I like, I'd sort I like, it out. But by I like the end. that. You know, the way that Morrison writes Superman is that he's a little weird and little alien. So I think that in that sense, the little weird little alien art style really works and makes it, him feel that way mm-hmm. to me. Anyway, I, that's I, why I, I liked it. Foreman, yeah. all issue. I thought it was great. I thought it was. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. But the second thing, as soon as they showed Clark sort of at the gravestone with the dog right next to him, I was like, oh, my God, that's so sad. <laughs> well, the backup was A Boy and His Dog, which was by uh, Shirley Fish and Brad Walker. And I, this was the crypto, the story of Crypto the Ghost Dog and Clark. And I, I knew that you'd get, I, I knew this would get you. So that's why I made you yeah. read it. It totally did, too. Like, like right away. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> they barely even wrote anything. So you, I think uh, you got to give Shirley Fish credit, but, uh, but Brad Walker... Uh, who you may remember from Guardians of the Galaxy, and now he's doing Hypernaturals with uh, Abnett Landing over at Boom, but uh, he did a great job with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the books. Uh, that, there weren't very many, so that we wouldn't talk about, but those are the books that came out this week. Uh, you can talk about the books. What well, you thought of the books, go to fanboy.com slash comics. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review your books. You've got to make the pull list to rate your review your books. Somebody wrote in asking how to do that. You actually have to make the pull list in order to write reviews. And make your pick of the week. And now let's run down, Josh, run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. It'll do number five, Avengers versus X-Men, number 12, with 7.2%, which is, by the way, probably better than most of the last issues of these events have done. Yeah. So that's pretty good. <laughs> a lot of times by the end of it, they're like, oh, okay, that's enough. Uh, number four, Sweet Tooth, number 38, 7.2%, run down the clock. Legends of the Dark Knight, number one, comes in at the third position with 8%. Uncanny X-Force, number 32, with 11.1%. And then uh, the first most popular uh, community choice for pick of the week is Daredevil End of Days number one with twenty point one percent. These might, uh, these could change. You know what's interesting time. is that twenty for the number one book twenty is really super low. I mean, and it was going mm-hmm. down as I as I was putting the script together. It was it was so it might even dip below twenty. But you had uh, single digit percentages going through the top ten. When you're when you're number five at seven percent, that's that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. It was like the next one was like six point eight. Like it was close to the top ten, and then mm-hmm. then dropped off a bit. But it was it was very un, very unusual week in terms of percentages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll go ahead with this. Uh, Lawless uh, wrote about uh, Green Lantern number thirteen. Gave the story a four out of five, and the art a three out of five. And the pick of the week percentage on that was uh, two tenths of a percent. And he said, while this is no by no means amazing, uh, I'm for the first time in a long while enjoying a John's Green Lantern book. Baz is a very different Green Lantern than any of the previous ones, and I'm starting to get very invested in his story. Though the circumstances were a little convenient on how he got into the trouble he's in now, a Green Lantern of Arabic descent having to deal with a post-9-11 world is intriguing. The character is fresh and new, and exploring what he and his family have to go through from their perspective has me captivated. Doug Monkey's art is solid, and Jeff Johns' writing is starting to feel like old Jeff Johns from the book's heyday. And we, we should probably mention that this was a user review written by a member of the iFanboy community. User- I got right into it. Yeah, you don't you <laughs> skip over the every every episode is a new person is a new person's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm torn on the new Green Lantern. I don't I don't know. Um, I'm curious to see where it goes. I, this picked right up from the zero issue again. It, zero issue. You, you've been reading it all the way through. Yeah, yeah no, I'm reading all the way through. Um, that zero issue just could have been could have been the, the previous issue. You know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, I mean, it could have just been well, issue. It was. It came out. Before. Well, then no, then no harm, no foul. <laughs> like, it could have been issue thirteen. This could have been issue fourteen. But um, I thought it was interesting to see uh, when he got the the. Am I the only one reading it? Or yeah, you know? I, I did really like the zero issue. So I thought about picking this up, but then I saw the double page spread with all the Green Lantern books and characters, and I thought, oh, I don't want all those. Well, what what happened was. <laughs> Uh, it's mainly just on him, um, and he get, and they show him getting the ring, and the ring is trying to give him the the orientation speech. But you see Hal and Sinestro kind of intercept it and telling him like, "Don't go to Oa, don't trust anyone." Like, you know, like, and so like that was kind of you know like it, it's a it's a good positioning in that you've got this new Green Lantern who's got no real connection to the Guardians, and he's in the middle of this whole big problem, and he just doesn't know what to do really. Well, that was always fun. I mean, you know, as much as I like Hal, it's always fun to meet a new Green Lantern like John Stewart or Guy Gardner, and there's just been no other new Green Lantern. Who you know has to figure it all out the first time, and that's kind of the fun part of always the beginning of the hero's journey. So I might, I might, I might go back. Although next week there's about 15 billion books coming out, so I don't know if I will. But then just give it, yeah. I thought about it. Sample, perhaps. Maybe I'll go onto the DC Comics app and check it out there. 
Maybe. Um, well, I'm going to read this next one because it's more, Ron, you, you already talked about Uncanny X-Men 19, but this one is a bit of a rant about it. I thought it was worth hearing, maybe getting your thoughts on it. E. Junkerman reviewed Uncanny X-Men 19 and gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 2 out of 5 and 0.1% made it the pick of the weekend. E. Junkerman said, I decided to sample this because AVX was out this week and this is supposed to be AVX 12 through Cyclops' point of view. I should have just read the fourth chapter of Watchmen because this issue seemed to be a pale homage with Cyclops' Dr. Manhattan. Poor Kieran Gillen. With these times, he's really scraping the bottom of the barrel with fresh ideas that aren't already in the main event. Dale Eaglesham actually penciled this issue, not the solicited Acuna, and his art is meh. Nothing spectacular, nothing god-awful, just uninspired pictures telling a story. My favorite part of the issue was Eaglesham taking advantage of Marvel editors not caring anymore about how Beast is drawn from panel to panel. Beast's appearance changes from Morrison's New X-Men to Perez's Avengers. Thanks for the attention to detail, Marvel. Now get off the event tie-in train and give us some quality stories. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't argue that. <laughs> he definitely, he definitely leaned more uh, towards the classic Beast look and less uh, than the Quietly look. It's happening a lot. Happening a ton. I think at this point they know about it. Yeah. And they're just engendering it. Yeah. I want somebody to draw him just as the human. With the feet? See see if anybody notices. (laughs) But who's that guy? That's Beast. You can't tell. He's got glasses. He doesn't wear shoes. He's he's got pedal pushers on. (laughs) So those those are the books that were reviewed by the iFanboy community. Go to iFanboy.com slash comics where you can do your pull list and you can uh, rate and review and write reviews and all that fun stuff and get on the show. So, uh, so guys, you, you do anything next week? I'm gonna sleep. Yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna put my feet up, watch some movies. I, I, oh, here's the thing about that. New York Comic Con is actually next week, starting uh, October 11th to the 14th at the Javits Center in New York City. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a sponsor, Connor. It's not about the con. It's about having to go to to out of my apartment and get on a plane. That's true. That has once I get there, it'll be fine. It's the comic guests include luggage. Brian K. Vaughn, Rick. Rem- <laughs> Luggage. Rick Remender, Jeff Johns, Ivan Reese, Jonathan Hickman, Mark Wade, Kieran Gillen, Mike Mignola, Scott Snyder, and many, many more entertainment guests include Bill Paxton, nice. Adam West, Christopher Lloyd, David Wayne, Rob Cordry, Paul Shear, Sean Astin, and more. Sean Astin will help you carry your stuff. Did I, I tell you, you last that. time that I, I, I don't want to meet Adam West ever? No, neither do I. I, I could see that. I, I feel like that I just sense. want him to exist as, a, as Adam West in my head and never as a real thing. I feel like he smells like he has a half-eaten apple in his pocket that's been there for about a half a week. Or lozenges. Something like that. We should tell the people that, that the exciting thing about it is that this is the Revenge of the Nerds panel. Yeah, I, I'm going to ask you. That was what I was going to ask you about. Robert that, Carradine and Curtis Armstrong. Booger and uh, who was the man Lewis. there? Lewis. Or, no, Gilbert. No, Gilbert. no, Lewis. Lewis is right. One of the, uh, Gilbert was, was, Mark, uh, was Mark Green. Uh, Anthony Edwards' appearance there. If he did, mm. we'd have to go, right? I kind of want to go anyway. Booger's going to be there, <laughs> and then we can ask we can ask Booger about his great line in um, not that movie, but the other Better one. Off dead. Yeah, when when he. What? <laughs> do, do you know the street value of this mountain? <laughs> oh, dead that way fast! If something and if something gets in your way, turn. Turn. <laughs> Oh, okay, we so. got off. We got off. It's Curtis Armstrong, man. Ben Folds Five is playing a concert. This doesn't even sound like a comic show anymore, but <laughs> they've got a lot of different stuff going on. But great comic guests also. Ben Folds Five is playing a kickoff concert on Thursday, October 11th, free to all VIP and four-day ticket holders. Uh, you can get tickets and four-day passes for eighty-five dollars. Three-day passes Actually, for sixty-five dollars. I think they're mostly sold out at this point. I think there's only a couple of day passes left until October eighth. So that is. Um, Hang That's on. Monday or sun or Sunday. If you listen to this early, you might be able to still get these pricing. Uh, so buy now. Single day tickets are also available if you want to go a la carte. You can go to NewYorkComicCon.com, no spaces or dashes in Comic-Con, to buy tickets and get full details on the show. We will be there. Uh, and uh, details from our party are on iFanboy.com, uh, stuck up at the top of that. And I'm at that, I'm at that Revenge of the Nerds thing. Well, we can we can talk about the party right now. Actually, to go back to the tickets, um, all the single day all the all the single day passes except for Friday are sold are, are sold out, I believe, as well as all the four day passes stuff like that. So if you didn't order before October eighth, you're kind of SOL. Hopefully, you did already. But in terms of our party, uh, it is Friday night at Idle Hands, which is a bar in the uh, Alpha, in Lower East Side. Alpha Bil- City. You can say it. 
city. Yeah, it's much much nicer now than it was in the eighties. <laughs> and uh, it was where we had the party last year. Should be a great time. We're gonna kick things off at nine o'clock. I'm gonna DJ for a little bit, and then our special guests uh, Jerome Pena and Rick Remender are gonna be there, and they're gonna be DJing as well. And last year it went until I left at three. Yeah, that's about when I left. Yeah, that was a until- mistake. And some other people were like, we're going to go out again. You're going to come with us? And I was like, no. No, I am not going to do that. <laughs> I, heard, I heard at one point the, the guy at the bar was like, listen, you guys just have to go. It was like five in the morning. And like, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so you know, I know that there's, this year there's a little more activity in terms of parties going around at the con this year. But, um, but it seems as if, you know, you know come, come by anytime after 9 o'clock. It's totally free. Anybody can get in. And- the drink proceeds go to a good cause. We're, we're teamed up with Church for a Cure, and so all uh, proceeds from the drinks go to help the fight against cancer. So you can't really argue that. So, uh, yeah, we hope to see you all there. And I, I can already tell you now that there are – if you like comic pros, um, you, you'll want to be at this party because there's uh, already a whole bunch of said that they're coming. So um, you get to meet some of your favorite comic pros if you go. Maybe if you're nice. And Adam West and Booger. Buy Mark, them drinks. And Mark Green. And Mark, seriously, if Mark Green is there and we don't go <laughs> – and Jimmy Hoffman. Do you remember that? Do you, do you remember that scene in ER when when Shh, when Gilbert don't, was don't, on? Don't stop! Don't don't. If we go down this road, we're never coming back. I that, just watched. I remember watching it with Lindsay, and I was like, "Do you know what's happening right there?" And she was like, "No." Stop! We're never who coming played, back. Who, we're never coming. Who back. played Gilbert's dad in Revenge of the Nerds? Oh uh, oh 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 um yeah uh, that'll do pig. Yeah. yeah Cromwell. Yeah. Oh yeah, Crom. Yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, good call. All right. We've got Bush. Emails. <laughs> <laughs> I got him. That's a good thing I wasn't drinking. Isaac N. from New York, who is Isaac The fuck is a thrush? 1983. <laughs> writes and says, Oh, that was when you could still do racist stereotypes in movies. <laughs> I just read your article on Mark Miller's new position on, on Fox as Fox's creative consultant for its movie properties, Marvel movie properties. I think this one has a chance of really improving the quality of Fox's comic book movie output, offering a real challenge to Marvel Studios. However, something Miller said really stood out to me. Quote, I spent 10 years working at Marvel, and I'm really happy with the work I did on the comic side of things. End quote. The reason this stands out is prose authors don't generally refer to their work as the book side of things. And I don't think creators of television shows that are adapted into films refer to their work as being on the television side of things. It really seems like Mark Miller views comic books as part of a larger multimedia production pipeline and not necessarily as a medium unto themselves. Is that where we are with mainstream comic books as mainstream superhero books more or less glorified R&D? This question has come up a lot. Not not specifically. I don't know if he meant anything specific by that. But it's clear that Miller is media savvy in terms of looking at a sort of all-world approach. Much with to his, his, his financial credit. Well, that, well, and that's really the, the thing is that if, if you, you want to make comics, you're only going to make so much money. Yeah, I, I don't say that's a bad thing. He's done quite well for himself by being very smart about how, seeing the media world as a whole. And, and the, the other side of that being that I feel like he's still, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his work, but I feel like the dude's got love for comic books still because the fact is he doesn't have to do them anymore. Yeah. I mean, like if he never did another comic book again, he he could get, you know, gigs producing and writing and pitching and having development deal because he's already got a proven track record. And once you have that in Hollywood, you're set, yep. uh, you know, until your next project. But but either way, I mean, he could walk away from comics no problem. I think we've seen other guys who've done, who've done that. Um, but he keeps coming back, and I have to only assume that it's it's not because of you know the huge financial reward. But he he, he must I'm sure he does fine. But I, he's got something for the medium clearly. It was funny that when when that announcement about him with Fox, I, I mean, I, I wasn't actually I was talking to some people at the con about it this past weekend. I wasn't surprised at all given his relationship with Matthew Vaughn and him being entrenched there after doing First Class and all that stuff. It made sense. I mean, and basically, it's it's really no different than. Um, what Bendis and Casada are doing on the on the quote unquote creative committee with all the with the Marvel with Marvel Studios or, or Loeb with the TV yeah. really yeah yeah so I mean you know but the thing is I don't know if it seems that Mark Miller views comics as part of a larger multimedia you know pipeline as is everyone does yeah. I mean that's the thing I mean like you 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 I mean we cut we tend to frown upon. Um, when we get a book, we're like, "Oh, this is just a pitch," and blah blah blah. We dismiss it. But but every now and then, there are books that come out that get. I mean, Walking Dead. You know, the um, Chew is in development. You know, like there are there are other books that are 
that are in you know that are in play, whether it's movies or, or or film, and that's a that's another way for a lot of the creators to add to their income and to add to their you know like it's not just the the monthly page rate. It's actually okay, you get an option, and then something becomes of it, and then you can actually you know like they can be a, it become a bigger you know kind of IP property, and that's the name of the name. That's what everyone's doing. So the well, Hollywood is funding your curator owned comic, you know, sort of mainstream creator owned comics. It's not sales. I mean, this, for the most part. The short answer to your question is yes. Our mainstream superhero books now are more or less glorified R&D. Not just mainstream superhero books. Our comic books glorified R&D, yeah. But in the same way that novels are. In the same way that, you know, video games are. I mean, how many... Everything is just fodder for, for, for Hollywood. The Resident Evil movie? Probably not. But a lot of people did. That's, you know, that's a video game. Yeah. You know? A ton, books get turned into TV shows and movies all the time. Harry Potter. Exactly. So, uh, and and you know, as long as the property originally stands on its own, I mean, you know, it's up to you as a as a consumer to make the judge. Like, hey, is this is this something I want to read or not? And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah. Like, is it a good comic book? You know, is that enough? If that's all you want to read, is that fine? You know, uh, which is which is everything that's ever been made into a movie. You know, it doesn't mean that that the the Road to Perdition comic book was shitty or was bad because they made it into a movie later. It was a better movie than it was a comic book. Mm. Let's skip to the third email because it's somewhat related to this subject. Emails from okay. Peoria says it drives me crazy that they advertise comic book movies on the cover of the comics, obscuring the artwork when we all know damn well that the people actually buying the book are ninety percent guaranteed ticket buyers without this nonsense banner. What makes me even crazier is that they do not advertise the actual comics as viciously before the movie. Avengers is the third highest grossing movie of all time, and they can't have an AVX commercial before it starts? No Night of the Owls ad before Dark Knight Rises? They care so much about the readers knowing about the movie and so little about the moviegoers knowing about the comics, even during major publishing events. Comics could use those ads and numbers so much. I just don't get it. Not sure what my question is here. Just annoyed. wondered if you had anything to say about the subject. Maybe calm me down. Good read. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> really nice read. I, th- I think you really got that. Thank it's you. it's similar in that the money flows one way, right? I mean, they don't care. Yeah, they 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 make Warner Brothers will make way more money off Dark Knight Rises than they'll ever make off off the Batman comics. So they are more inclined to get people to go to the movie than they buy the books. That's what I think. Yeah, I I, I think that that from the the studio perspective, the sales of the comic book just don't matter to them. There's also a hierarchy in Hollywood where movies mm-hmm. are on top of everything. Right. Yes. So everything goes to to support the films because you know it's honestly it's probably more likely to sell that comic book with the movie banner on top of it. Maybe they're not advertising to you, the comic book reader. Maybe they're they're advertising to the the movie watcher. That could be. Which is sort of sort of a reverse uh, marketing on that. This is one of those things people complain about all the time about how oh they've got all this stuff with the movies. Well, it's it's appropriate for this week because you have the Arrow banner on top of all the DC books. Right now, now, but the, but the thing is, we we're in year twelve of this movie revolution, this comic book superhero adaptation movie thing. Listen, I, and and I feel like I've seen lots of attempts to sell comic books. I've I've gotten a lot of DVDs that had comic books in them. I've gotten a lot of DVDs that have documentaries about the comic books. There in was them, a you know, really my really lame uh, screen of the Green Lantern comics. Was it after the Green Lantern movie? It was after the credits. Yeah, yeah which no that's really that's. The no, that's super lame, especially that movie. Um, <laughs> no, but even, you know, I mean, like, even if it had been a good movie, who's, who's sticking no, around? I, no one. It, was, it, it came up, you couldn't even read the, it was so up there so quickly, you couldn't even read it. Yeah. But I've been in theaters where they gave away comics. I've been in theaters with the local comic shops, you know, where they are trying to, trying to it, like, and it doesn't move the needle. It just doesn't at this point. And I think that they've given up that, that argument, you know, like, okay, you know, we'll take whatever ancillary sales we can get for comics after one of these movies, but overall, it doesn't make much of a difference on monthly sales. It just doesn't. It's not going to. Right. People want to yeah. go see a movie. They don't want to go read comics. Yeah. Uh, so they shore up their base for the comics. That's what they do. You might, you might add 100 or 1,000 or even 10,000 total new comic readers, but not enough to actually do anything. Right. You know, like they, you know, it works a little differently. They sold a, a, a metric ass load of Watchmen trades. Uh, from the Watchmen movie, for some reason, probably. Walking Dead bucks all comic conventional wisdom from every, in every, at every, angle. every yeah, every possible way. I think a lot of it has to do with it's not superheroes. Yeah, I do too. And, yep. that, and that it's, you know, they're doing a good job with all the, they have all those trades out and they, people feel better about not buying a brightly colored four-color superhero comic than, than, than a zombie one for some reason. I think that's probably the case. It's still got a higher hip quotient than, than Avengers stuff does. All right, let's get you the know. email in before we go. 
Jesse B says, I've heard other people ask for relationship advice on the show before, and I've been needing a lot of that over the past few weeks, so I thought I'd ask your opinions on an issue I've been having. Recently, my girlfriend of three years left me. It's been really hard on a lot of levels, but one thing that's really stung is that we don't read comics together anymore, which we used to do ever since I got into them when we first started dating. Now I've been thinking about going all digital in order for her to read all the comics we used to read together, even though digital is not my preferred way of reading my books. I admit I must just be I might just be inclined to, I might just be doing this and be inclined to uh, wow I lost that thread. I admit I might just be inclined to do this in order to hang out with with her again, but I love this girl more than anything in the world and I want to be continue to share this wonderful world of comics with her. She even told me when we last talked over the phone that she might want to do this. So what do you guys think is going digital for this girl worth it? Would any of you do the same? I'd love to hear your opinions or advice. Confused by this. I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I am too. I don't understand why he needs to go digital to read comics with her unless... Recently, my girlfriend of three years left me. So she's left you. Okay, here's what I think. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. She's left you. And what you're saying now is you're sad that you don't read comics together anymore because she left you. And you're thinking of going digital in order to do that, in order to read comics with her again? I think he's buying the comics digitally and then he would therefore give her the login so they could both read them and she doesn't have to buy them. And this is and, some thinly veiled attempt to still hang some connection yes. with the hopes that you can recover. You can, you know, stop it. Stop it. Stop it now. You broke up with her. No, she you're broke done. Up with him. Yeah, she so that's what I mean. The, you're broken up. You can't. You can't. Yep. Listen. You can't hang on hoping to get back together. We've all done it. We've all. Everyone's done. We've it. All done it. Guess what's happened? Is, it's never turned out well. It's just stringing you along. It's gonna. It's gonna hurt worse. And, and it's gonna make it take you longer to get over it. Yep. And we're not being you, flippant you need, about it at all. This is actually no, no, you, I'm you, being serious. You need to walk away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fully. Don't get me wrong. It sucks, and like, like, like we've all been there. We all know. And you're gonna do everything you can to try to hang out or whatever. But it, I don't know the reasons why she left you, but she left you. And you, I mean, the hanging on thing. Like, you just gotta, you gotta cut ties and you gotta move on. I mean, this is tough love, and I know it's hard. Trust me, I know it's hard. But doing this is not going to help anything. It's not going to whatever the issues that she had with that over that made her leave you aren't going to be fixed by the fact that you're buying her comics that she can read digitally. Honestly, the only the only possible way, usually, and obviously everyone's different. There's always a different reason for everything. For her to want to come back is if you walk away. Yep. Yeah. If Make you her- hang, if you hang around, you know, doing the stuff you always did with her, and everything, she's got no reason to get back together. But if you disappear and she finally realizes, hey, all the stuff I liked is gone. Yep. You know, then she might come so back. So get your stuff back is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but but Clawing for dear life to the relationship is never, never ends up well. It doesn't. It doesn't. And you're better than that. Come on. You're better than that. You know that. So, you know. We're, it, we're good at this. Why don't we ditch comics? <laughs> uh, it's any relationship questions, you can, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. We're going to skip the voicemails because we ran we did a bunch of emails. But you can call us on the voicemail line at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. Um, we have another podcast called iFanboy Don't Miss. comes out uh, usually every Monday where we talk to a creator about a book that you absolutely can't miss when you go to the comic book store. This past week. Was it Hardman? It was Gabe Hardman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was good. It's all, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 listen, pal. <laughs> Listen, pal. <laughs> I liked I liked when you you admitted to not watching all the Planet of the Apes movies, and he goes, "Well, are you writing a Planet of the Apes comic book?" <laughs> it was the moment I was waiting for. It was great. Uh, huh. This here, Paul talked to Scott Snyder about Batman number thirteen. As the whole Joker uh, madness kicks off in DC, so that should be a good one. So uh, go to iTunes or you subscribe to it, or go to ifanboy.com on Monday, and you can hear it. There is the Make Comics podcast as well that I do with Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience, former Marvel and IDW editor, uh, where we talk about uh, a subject that has to do with uh, breaking into comics from from any of the different angles that you can do that or just making comics professionally or or for fun. Uh, That comes out every Wednesday. It's a short little podcast usually. Uh, and there will be one more before New York Comic Con, and the week after that, maybe, maybe not. But Andy and I will actually both be at New York Comic Con. So if you track him down, he's a tall dude, uh, and he can well, answer you your just, questions. You just threw him under, your bu- under the bus. Now They're going to ask me. He's going to be asking. I said he's a. Con. I said he's a tall. Listen, he he runs a school about making. Andy comics, will help you I make think. your comic. Andy will publish your comic. Right, exactly. If you go up to him, he will publish your comic. Just yeah, tell him Josh sent you. Way. Said Josh said you'd do it. There you go. Uh, and as, as Ron said earlier, we were going to get New York Comic Con the entire time. You can find us at table 3263, which is in some part of the floor. I don't even know where. I haven't, looked, I haven't looked at the map yet. And, the, and as Ron said, the party's Friday night. You can find all that information at fanboy.com. There's a post at the very top in the buzzable bar. 
that has all the information about where we'll be and where you can find us and where the party is and all that stuff at ifanboy.com. Sweet. Um, and go to ifanboy.com where you can read Connor's Pick of the Week review on uh, the Batman book. and um, not, not Josh's Book of the Month review for certain. Review. We're anxiously awaiting that, as well as all the other great... Um, <laughs> Every week there from the iFanboy staff. Um, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash iFanboy, and on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash iFanboy. Don't miss anything. And we will be at New York Comic Con, and we're going to be shooting video. We're going to be doing interviews so you can see the return of uh, iFanboy video coming uh, to a, a screen near you. Uh, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you're going to leave a voicemail, you know, if you want us to play it, make sure it's, uh, it's not too long and tell us who you are and, um, make it, make it good. So, uh, so call up and, and give it a shot. Although probably not, not this week cause we'll be doing the show from New York, but call anyway, cause we could use them later. And I just you, thought I thought all that out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you like this show, if you like the Make Comics show or the Don't Miss shows on a separate feed or same feed, I don't remember anymore. Separate, separate feed. Go to iTunes.com. iTunes.com. What happened? <laughs> I, bet if, I bet if you went to iTunes.com, it would work. I, I'm still I'm still feeling the lingering effects of Las Vegas. Go to iTunes. You can write a review uh, for our show, for any of the shows you listen to, for any podcast you listen to, anywhere <laughs> in the world. I'm, do them the favor of writing a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show and. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not a hard thing to do. It's not like, you know, you've got to help them move. <laughs> We're not asking you to come help me move. It's not even an airport drive. It's not, yeah, I'm not asking you to be picked up at the airport. I'm not asking to help move. I'm not asking Listen, you. Listen, I'm sorry. The, the, the luggage isn't out yet. You need to keep circling. Oh, fuck. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or you can tell your mom about it. Your mom might help us move because she's nice. We're just we're sitting right on the, ta- on the, on the we're taxiing. But we've been here for an hour. I, I don't know what the deal they is. They won't let me stop. The guy keeps can making you pull me in? keep circling. Can you pull into the cell phone lot? There is no and cell just phone wait lot. There? Uh, Are you sure there's not a because I remember, no, that's a different airport. There, this is under construction, the cell phone lot's closed. I just keep circling and the guy won't let me stop for more than two nanoseconds. Which which gate? Which I'm at the inner I'm in the inner circle. I'm at terminal <laughs> I gotta B. Be, Are you not at terminal B? The outer one wait, is that the, is that international? Oh fuck. You said supposed to, Oh <laughs> Just get a cab. <laughs> Uh, that's a preview of what's to come next week in New York. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Is, is there a different route you can take? I mean, do we, do we have to take the Van Wick? Come on. Did you fly into JFK LaGuardia? LaGuardia. I don't, I don't. Oh, fuck. I'm in JFK. I've been here.